0: Welcome to The Conquering Truth. I'm Dan Horn. I'm Jonathan
1: Sides.
2: I'm Charles Churchill.
0: I'm Joshua Horne. Recently, President Biden started to pull the troops out of Afghanistan. He, uh, I think on July 6th, he, he pulled all the troops out of the largest airfield that the U.S. held in Afghanistan. And then on July 8th, he assured the country that that we're not going to lose any territory. It won't be turned over very quickly. So by August 6th, they had taken over the first province that they didn't have control over. And by August 15th, they had conquered pretty much all the provinces. There may have been some pockets here and there. And so what we want to talk about tonight is how do we get that so wrong? I mean, Biden on, on the 8th of August said, there's going to be no circumstance where you see people being lifted off the roof of an embassy in the, of the United States from Afghanistan. that There's not a chance it will happen. they said that it won't happen like it happened with Saigon with the Vietnam War. But yet we've spent two decades there. We've had thousands of soldiers die. We've spent a trillion dollars. And so how do we keep getting it so wrong?
3: Yeah, I mean, this is definitely going to go down in the history books as a major... Uh major defeat for the United States, and not just in 2021, but the defeat of a 20-year project, failed project, to try to recreate, you know, recreate this country and make it not be a harbor for terrorists. So, you know, to understand why it went wrong, you kind of have to go back to the beginning of why did we end up here. And so 9-11, 2001, you have the Twin Towers hit by... Muslim terrorists, and then those are identified as having come from Afghanistan, supposedly harbored by the Taliban. So that's why we end up invading Afghanistan later that year. What's put out there is they—they're they, they're the ones who helped the terrorist train to come hit us on 9/11. And then as time goes by, things start to change because you know we we capture the country, but then the theory is that you even hear if you're listening today people are still saying the same thing which is well yeah we defeated the terrorists we got rid of their camps but it's still the same country with the same muslim extremists in it and so if we leave they're just going to do the same thing again so what we need to do is somehow rehabilitate this country so that they're no longer going to produce terrorists and so that that is the the the, this big plan that has failed
0: and I do think it's important to recognize that it's easy to, to look at the president. It's easy to look at the Republicans, the Democrats. Obviously, they were both in office while all this was going on. But it, we should also look at the American people. Because the reality is, there's no way the military didn't know when they went in to hunt for Osama bin Laden in Afghanistan and to break up the terrorist training camps. They've been around, they know how this works. But so should the American people have known how this works, that the military is going to go in there, break up these things, and then go, well, we can't just leave now, it will just come back. And so the American people wanted to be sold a lie, and they were sold a lie, and they accepted a lie, when everybody going in, if you thought about it at all, knew what the result was going to be.
3: Though the good good news is now people don't want to stay there. So that, that that is the positive thing is, you know, should people have known 20 years ago? Yes, but at least it's been figured out and hopefully
0: that will be a lesson for next time. And it is a good thing that, that even with the shift in all the things that have happened with the attitude towards Afghanistan, I suspect that I haven't seen any polls, but I think, you know, it was up to like almost 60% of the people said we should get out and I doubt that it's, in, that it's decreased. I still think the majority say, are saying, why are we there? Why should we continue there? And there's a part of it where we say that hopefully this will be a lesson that we learn but like
2: you said it's not the first time we've gotten the same thing wrong it's not the first time that we've thought this through these same pattern of thoughts and seen the same type of failure so i mean there is this part of it where yes you absolutely hope this will be a lesson yes you absolutely hope that we'll walk away from this and say why are we thinking this way but there's no fundamental reason to go because we've failed that will learn the lesson because didn't learn it before.
0: <laughs> and one of the things that, that the American people have to realize is if you won't think about things, you won't learn the lesson. And the American people aren't thinking about it. The American people aren't going, well, we remember what happened in Vietnam. We just sent a few people there to, to help to give them some military advice. We remember what happened in Iraq. We, remember. I mean, there are plenty of examples that show how it goes. And the American people just want to close their eyes in the midst of and their leaders are, you know, going, we need to do this, but they want to close their eyes to reality. And they want to pretend like this time will be different. And this is, yeah, I mean, we can talk about this here, but I mean, there's a lot of cases where people, they see failure after failure, after failure, after failure, and then a new situation comes up and they immediately go, but this time we'll be right, right? I mean, that's Bernie Sanders, right? You know, look at all the places communism's failed, and yes, I agree they've failed all that time, but this time we'll do it right. Instead of going, let's learn from mistakes. I think Americans are really horrible at learning from mistakes.
2: And the truth is, is what that means. This is the church is horrible at the church is horrible at teaching the truth. The church has really failed because I think you know one of the one of the goals of the podcast, one of the reasons why we started it, and one of the things I think that we probably talk about more than anything else is when you're talking about that you have to be able to th- you have to think about this, but you have to be able to think about these things. And there's a part of it where if you don't know what a man is, if you don't know how God has framed a man, where you know, his weaknesses, the way that he's held together, what constrains him, what sin is, the power of sin, if you don't understand these things, it's almost impossible to think about them. Because if you come at them from the perspective of humanism, if you come at the perspective from man is fundamentally good, if you come at it from the perspective that every man is just craving for freedom in his heart, and that if you give him freedom, he will walk towards light and towards goodness, you're going to keep making the same decision and the same mistakes over and over again. And, so, and you really can't even think about the problem because you fundamentally don't understand the situation.
3: So to kind of get into this more, we were we thought we'd uh, listen to a little clip from President George Bush uh, back towards the closer to the beginning of, of what's going on, where he kind of gave a bit of a a bit of a summary of what his plan was in, in Afghanistan.
4: Uh, our our strategy in Afghanistan is one to provide enough security so civil society can move forward. Any counter uh, effective counterinsurgency strategy will require more than just military action. It requires a military civilian interface. Uh, One, understand the blessings of good governance. In other words, the folks are attempting to fight corruption at the local level so that the local citizens are able to, you know, have a positive outlook about their government. We're also working to educate people, build roads, provide good health care. And the best thing we got going for us, not only do we have brave and compassionate citizens willing to serve, but we've also got an ideology based upon liberty, which stands in stark contrast to the ideology of the thugs and murderers called the Taliban. And the job of hand is to is to help these folks recover, help the Afghans realize there's a better future for them. And it's hard work, but it's necessary work for the security of our country.
0: That clips from you know two thousand and eight. So that's seven years after it started. So Bush, at that point in time, the the mission had changed, what they were trying to do had changed, and, and President Bush is going back and he's making a sales job to the American people of, we need to keep on this path. But we were already seven years in at that point.
2: It's really easy to always think the people who are doing this, you know, oh, they're idiots. They're, I mean, the thing is, is there were lots of people there who are career military men who've served under... It didn't matter whether Bush was in, it didn't matter whether Obama was in. A lot of the people who were doing this work on the ground, they were the same people no matter what. They were, I mean, and, and I think that's, that's important in a sense of it's just, you know, it's like you look back and you go, well, it was because of the mistakes of this way of thinking. Nobody was really fundamentally arguing against the idea that this could be done. There were people who were maybe saying, we shouldn't do the military part of it, but nobody was going, you can't export freedom in this way. And, and they sat down and they came up with a plan. They sat down and they said, "How else would you do it? We're gonna, we're gonna model it in front of them. We're gonna teach it to them. We're gonna show it to them. We're gonna have military people there and we're gonna have civilian people there. And we're gonna, I mean, they. It's not like they just ran in there without thinking about it at all. They really did. They sat down and the way that they thought about freedom and the way that they thought about who they are, they said." let's bring this to this country
0: and I think fundamentally what happened is they brought their worldview in yes and out of their pride they said there can't be a different worldview and it's ridiculous I mean when you think about it if you look at the history of the world that's an absurd statement to say that everything should be about freedom most people through the history of the world have been much more concerned about eating than they were about freedom. Freedom to survive the next day by having food is a far greater freedom than the political freedom that that George Bush was talking about. But where we are as a people is we're going, everybody's like us. And most people in the world are not like Americans at all.
3: I mean, even in that clip he talks about we need to show them that, that how they need to have good government, not a corrupt government, and how that's a good thing. Well, people people in uh, countries you know the common people where corruption is rampant through the government aren't saying i'm so glad our government is so corrupt i mean they recognize that it's a bad thing to have corrupt government they don't like having to bribe people to get things done they know that that's not good even if they're doing it they they know it's not good so the problem isn't just saying oh guys you know you know it would be really good if you all just stop giving and receiving bribes so so the, the problem is the, the issues are a lot deeper than that and the ideology that's been put forth or the uh, the plan of how to t- change the culture wasn't there to change it in, t- in such a fundamental way. And and the the reality is there's not a simple plan that in 20 years you can have a country through man's efforts where you've eliminated corruption. There there isn't one.
0: Oh, there is one, but it's unacceptable in America, which is you kill everybody. Right, you I kill don't. every male. <laughs> is what the Bible says to do and then you can stop it because you basically replace the culture, which is what God says when you besiege a city. That's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to eliminate the culture. When we're naively thinking that, oh, we can replace the culture, and we can replace the culture by just replacing external things without replacing worldview is just incredibly naive and incredibly arrogant.
1: And I I mean, the way I would couch it is if Going all the way back to the question, how does America so consistently get it wrong? In this particular case, and in those other cases that we've alluded to, what's happened is there has been a, it's the war that just ended, or is ending, it's fundamentally been a religious war. But the reason Americans have been so bad at it is they haven't been, for two reasons. One, they haven't been willing to admit that it's a religious war including on the American side. And then the second thing is is that the religion that they have been exporting, that they've been taking over there, is a pretty puny one with some, some weak idols in it. Then I mean, that's gonna take some unpacking, but when I say it's been a religious war, it's been a war between two pretty giant ideologies of, of Muslim extremism on the one hand, and American democracy. But then that American democracy is not it's not embedded in any kind of Christian worldview. It's just this secular liberalism that we think that we can go over there and we can assault this very ancient religion with, and expect that we're going to have success in just a few decades, because of you know things like Bush was saying that you know well they just they're going to want something better like this.
3: Right. And he even talked about in that in that clip, you know, talking about how we're bringing our idol.
1: <laughs> Close <laughs> well, enough. The
3: Floridians live there. <laughs> But in that clip, he was talking about how he ha- we're bringing our ideology that's based on liberty, which, you know, liberty in its place is a great thing. But when your ideology is based on liberty, that's very hollow. Because, you know, what defines that liberty? Who says what liberty is? Yeah,
1: read your New Testament. Liberty is a Christian virtue, but it's a Christian virtue couched in the blood of Christ. You get liberty in the blood of Christ. Without the blood of Christ... All you have is slavery.
2: Well, and let's be even more specific. You get liberty in slavery to Jesus Christ. Right. You get liberty through being the servant of God. And that is, and so, and when you define it wrongly, when you say that Jesus Christ came to set you free to do whatever it is you want to do, that's not the gospel. And I mean, and literally, in the sense that you're saying this is a religious war. A different religion won, because the religion that was over there was a really like you're saying, it was a really puny religion. It was a watered took over the one we took over there. It was a watered down form of Christianity that has no power to it.
3: And so it's Christianity so watered down that Christian part is taken out of it. I mean, because, you know, this is something that even a few decades before was different. You know, during the Cold War, there was an idea that this is the atheistic Soviets versus the Christian Americans. Now, everyone was not on board with that, and there was definitely not a deep and full-fledged idea of what that might mean. But there was still this idea that it is an ideological war where we have an ideology that is Christian founded on the Bible versus... You know, the, the atheism. And so now here in, in these, you know, modern wars against Islamic terrorists, you have, we have an ideology that's no longer, it's, we have the atheistic ideology. And, you know, Muslims, you know, actually, they're wrong about Islam. You know, even though they're the Muslims, they don't know what Islam actually is. They're misinformed.
0: Right. and yeah, I mean, it is, you know, when you think about the Cold War, that kind of is the last war that you could argue that we won pretty much everything after that and all the wars that were going on in that, maybe Korea was a draw. We pretty much lost everything else. And that is the one that Eisenhower said, you know, that, that to the Pledge of Allegiance, we need to add under God, as you were saying, to create this differentiator to say, this is a religious war. And since then, we just have this war of, ooh, America is so good, you should want it. And our materialism you know, because we're associating, even though it's freedom, we're really associating that with the materialism of Americans. And I mean, it's, we're like the the person who gets divorced, so he keeps giving his child gifts to try to win their affection. I mean, that's how we think this will work, because we think it's only about material things. And if you think about it, I mean, Afghans have a really hard life it's not an easy life. They have to wonder if they'll be killed, they have to wonder if they'll be raped, they have to, I mean, it's a hard life. And you come in and go, oh, we're gonna make your life happy, and they go, it's not about this life. It's about the promises of my religion of what eternal life's gonna be like. And they think that this temporal thing that, and they all knew that America would leave sooner or later, this temporal thing that's just going to pad it out and make a little bit more comfortable for a little while how does that beat the the promises of Islam even I mean it's just not a winning solution
1: yeah and the other side knows that it's a religious war and Americans just aren't willing to admit that
3: right there's a lot of Crusader imagery there but it's Crusaders that may know even less about the true gospel than the original Crusaders
2: there was a point in American culture where people taught their children, they spanked them, they disciplined them, and basically the child grew up in a house where you didn't lie, you didn't steal, you didn't cheat, and it was so ingrained in them that as they got older, if they saw someone do it, they would call them out. They would call them out at work, they would call them out, in, and not perfectly, but it became that, that idea became a part of American culture. But the way it was there was because it was put into each child by each family, and not every family, but enough that it became so identified with American culture. And then as you move forward, people just go, that's American culture. You get that by living here. You get that by growing up here. And so because they didn't even, they lost where it came from, it starts to decay over time. And it does take time to decay, but now because we've disassociated ourselves from where it came from, we think we can just take what we are and give it to someone else because we don't even understand what it is we have. We don't understand where it came from, and we don't understand what created it.
0: And I think, you know, I like the, the metaphor of the light and darkness, you know, because the idea is is that in America, there is still a shame to doing sin in the light. And so... You know, the spanking and everything drove it into darkness. It didn't eliminate it. It doesn't change the heart of man. The heart of man is still evil and pursues after evil things without the gospel. But it, it does sanctify it. It does constrain it. It does constrain the evil. And so it drives it into darkness. But if you have a society that you go to that has no sense of that or very limited sense of that, so that you have people that will openly bribe on the street, that people will lie to your face without any hesitation. And, you know, we've dealt with people from France, and they just lied to our face. Everybody knew they were lying. There was no hesitation, and there was no shame of it. It was just, this is what you do. And I've been to Nigeria. You know, the police, they have a whole line of cars, and they still ask everybody in every car to give them a bribe. I mean, this is not. there's no shame to it. And so when you take that into a culture like Afghanistan and think, oh yeah, we're going to eliminate corruption, well, you can only eliminate corruption if people think that they have to do these things in the dark. If they think they can do them in the light, and it takes a while for a culture to decay, and ours is definitely decaying. But as you said, we've forgotten how we got it in the first place, so how do you give it to the Afghanistans when we have no idea how we have it? Right.
2: And there's a part of it where the Muslim method of the Muslim use of power is much more powerful, just to be, stick with the same terms, than something else that doesn't really have any backing, that just has, hey, you should do this. Hey, you should, you should go in this way. And so it's really not surprising that the thing that wins is the thing that's actually backed and held in place by force, as opposed to the thing that's just said, you should do these things, and that would be good. And
3: even as we're, we're trying to bring our, our ideology, our national ideology, and impose it on Afghanistan, even the way we're doing it through a lot of force and a lot of tanks and men and airplanes, you know, it's, it's actually working against what we're trying to teach. We're trying to teach that you need to be, you know, living with liberty and good government while we're saying, well, you can't do that, of course, unless we have U.S. troops in your country. So you, you, we're going to bring you, we're going to invade you to bring you liberty. Right. You know, there, there there are times where people got invaded to bring them liberty, but it's not not every day. I mean, it's not every day that you're coming to liberate France, you know, from from the Nazis. I mean, it's not not the same situation. It's
1: it's one thing if you're trying to liberate somebody from an external oppressor. It's exactly. another thing when you're trying to liberate them from themselves.
0: Right. And of course, they spin it that they're liberating them from the Taliban, but the Taliban wasn't that distinguishable from the rest of the Afghanis. I mean it's, they're just not that different and their worldview was a lot closer. the reason we could go in and, and liberate France is that the French had the same worldview we did and so when we roughly, I mean it's still you know a Western worldview so that when we left we expected certain governments to come back up that were based on Napoleonic Code and all this other stuff and we didn't just go, oh, it'll be this random thing but out of this out of this mess we'll all of a sudden, jump out this this you know nicely formed thing i mean that's just not how it works we could have an expectation of that in france there's no reason to have that expectation in afghanistan
3: and you kind of have some similar things with, like, the, the corruption and the bribery that we're trying to eliminate. We're trying to eliminate bribery while pumping billions and billions of dollars into it through a rather limited group of Afghani people as a percentage of the population. Which means you have a situation, you know, where we're working through our translators and these leading people and making them the richest people in Afghanistan because we're setting them up for incredible bribery. And so while we're going to eliminate corruption, we're actually fostering corruption. And and again, our the power we're using to bring this good stuff about is working against, you know, that the limited good ideology that we're bringing.
2: The the irony of some of it is is there's a series of there's a series of American television shows that are basically based reality TV shows like there's Kitchen Nightmares, where a, a restaurant that's failing, they bring in a. A world you know world-renowned chef they bring in marketing they bring in money they come there and while they're there people line up to eat and they you know and then as soon as they leave the restaurant goes right back to failing because 99% of the time the problem with the restaurant was the people who owned the restaurant and the people who ran you know who were already running things and while they had a world-renowned chef there they were doing great. And as soon as you remove the world-renowned chef, they go right back to failing in the way they were failing before. So you could have, you know, a reality TV show called Democratic Nightmares. And and that's basically (laughs) what we did. Unfortunately, there'd
0: be episodes for at least one full season. (laughs) Yes. I mean, but also what's happening is that Americans are so arrogant they don't see their own bribes. Because the reality is they're going, oh, President Karzai, who was the the first president that, that President Bush, you know, had democratically elected there through bribery, (laughs) that they didn't think that they got him in that position by bribery. But all they did was bribe people. And so they're saying, we are eliminate bribery, we're eliminating corruption, because if we bribe, it's not bribery. But if you bribe, it's bribery, because we're not doing it. We're just incenting people to do what we want them to do. But that's not bribery. But if you do it, that I mean, it's... Have a free election. And if you elect the Taliban, obviously,
3: he's not going to be allowed to be president. So it's not a free election because of free you can't have a free election when you have an occupying military.
0: Right. Inherently, it, they're always going to be afraid of the military. So you have exactly... So you're coming in saying that you're modeling good government and what you are inherent to the situation. You're modeling the corruption that you're saying you need to get rid of. And it's impossible not to. You look at what's important to people in their lives, and it's food, religion, safety. There's a few other ones, but it gets to be a pretty short list. And America doesn't go, do a good job of saying, we're, it says, we're going to change a culture But it doesn't say how we're going to ensure that they get food after we leave. It doesn't say how they'll have security after we leave. And they go, your religion, well, it's just fake anyway, so who cares? And we expect that to actually change a people. It's not how you change people.
3: And where there are efforts made to to do this, it's very short-sighted. And whatever pet project or politically motivated thing happens to come along, like, oh, well, let's make natural gas stations for You know, all these natural gas cars that the Afghanis should have, which is not going to work. You can't just impose, oh, here, we'll just set you up for success by giving you natural gas stations that are never going
0: to be used. Or Muslims that consider women to be second-class citizens. They aren't the same as males. Females are lesser. And so you're going to make the government half female and expect the Afghanis to respect the government. They're not. Their religion teaches them that they're inferior. And so how in the world, just because your political agenda is, they're equal, so we need to have equal in both governments. We have our agenda, and we think our agenda is what everybody in the world should just know that this is good, right, just, and holy. And most people in the world go, no, it's not. And the church in America doesn't go, are you nuts? Because that's part of the problem. That's why we export this stuff is because the idolatry is so rampant here, because American churches don't kind of go really you really want to teach these people that they can they're gender fluid afghanis don't think of gender fluid
3: well you're bringing up there kind of leads to a different perspective on some of the things that we've been talking about here which is that you know the american the ideology that the americans are bringing isn't just watered down christianity it's it is a little bit of watered down christianity and a lot of humanistic garbage so it's not that oh we didn't do a good enough job imposing our ideology on afghanistan some of the things we were bringing were bad and some things you know their culture has a lot of problems i'm no expert on the culture of afghanistan but there are definitely elements in it that are positive over america there are things that they go too far in so so the idea that you know our what America is trying to bring is all good is also not true. I mean, the things you're mentioning, you know, gender fluidity, I mean, that's not something that we're saying (laughs) that we should be bringing. And depending on what administration is in power or maybe even not depending on how strong the bureaucracy is, you know, that's what we're – that's this type of stuff that we're pushing there. And so insofar as it was that, it's a good thing
0: to fail. And I think you also look at it, and even though we're blind to it, they're also looking and going – well, we know what America's done over the last 50 years, how much it's slid, how much it's lost all its moorings, how much it's embraced homosexuality, embraced, you know, murdering babies, embraced, I mean, and they are embrace nudity, especially. That's one of the big things that Islam goes, is how can you allow your women to dress like prostitutes? In They're looking at our culture and going, why in the world would we want that? That's why the Taliban got followers, because we're trying to destroy that evil position. And we turn around and go, oh, don't you want to be like us? Well, no, that's how they got the terrorists in the first place is they didn't want to be like us. One of the things in our arrogance, and we are a very arrogant people. One of the things in our arrogance is there's a video out about the Afghanis trying to, I think it's the Afghani police force trying to learn how to do jumping jacks. And you look at them and you go, look at how uncoordinated they are. They can't raise their arms at the same place and they don't separate their feet when they're supposed to. And look at these grown men, they can't even do jumping jacks. And Americans use this to belittle the Afghanis because they just assume that everybody goes to grade school where they learn how to do jumping jacks but if the jumping jack is an unnatural thing that people don't all learn to do just because in American grade schools we learn how to do them doesn't mean that every place in the world they learn how to do them and even on military.com where the guy posted this video he said that right after this video they played soccer with them and they got destroyed by them because they're much more coordinated they're much faster they're much they're you know they were bouncing the ball between each other off their heads and they just completely demolished them playing soccer, but yet this video gets played and everybody goes, oh, look at those Afghanis. But it's really an indication that that you could teach them to do jumping jacks, but it would take a few days. And think about that. That's just to do jumping jacks, which are silly, but that's outside of their culture and to bring that one slight thing into their culture would take days. But yet we think we can go in there and not make any effort and inculcate them into a culture that they completely reject. We don't have to address why they reject it. We just assume that they'll adopt it without making any effort to do it. And look at how hard it is to get somebody to do jumping jacks that isn't a Westerner that does jumping jacks.
1: So basically you're using the jumping jack video as a metaphor for the difficulty of taking one culture in to another culture. Just teaching somebody something, not just somebody, but teaching A whole bunch of people a completely new way of living
0: right and all the way down to the world tiny little thing and what we think is we can just do this without making any effort or even understanding that you need to make an effort because these people were mocking and uh, you see it there's there's a lot of mocking that goes on about the afghanis and the same was in iraq that they have there's videos when they were training the iraq soldiers well nobody over there like does that what they do is they go out and learn how to kill people If you're in the militia, if you're in the Taliban, if you're trained like some of these people probably were, if you're trained to do these things, they don't do jumping jacks. Just because we do, we think, obviously, you're just incompetent if you can't do a jumping jack. But could they even explain why it was important to do a jumping jack? That is just our culture and what we've grown up with and it goes back to the presidential you know fitness program and all this other stuff that was done 50 80 years ago and nobody knows why we do jumping jacks and then they mock another culture because they don't do them
2: and if you think the two aren't connected there's the other part of it where understand we're not saying that they didn't really they we really did spend 20 years and a trillion dollars and it wasn't like they weren't over there doing nothing I mean, so I mean, there's this part of it where I mean, when you look at it, it's just you have to understand, we really spent 20 years and it didn't accomplish anything. There really is a disconnect, you know. What I mean, it's, I mean, I, it's, and I think it's, it's easy to go, oh, sure, 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 but I mean, we probably just didn't actually, no, we did. We the experiment got run. <laughs>
3: right, and and I, I was reading a memoir from one of the. He was a British soldier, but he was one of these officers that was you know, assigned to train the Afghan army. And he was talking about, like, these guys, they don't put their hats on right. They, they, you know, we're out there for hours trying to get them to come and do a drill. They won't do anything. I mean, these guys are just useless. But then once we go into battle, they're incredible soldiers. They've been, they would killed, you know, met, each of them had killed Soviet soldiers. I mean, these guys are great soldiers, but we cannot teach them because, you know, we're not, you know, they have their own commanders. We're just here to, to, to advise them. And, you know, we just, their, their way of living, their way of fighting, everything is just so different. So that, yeah, you know, we trained the Afghan military, but what did that actually mean? We had people there trying to train them, but when the, when the culture, even on something that's as, in one sense, basic as fighting, it's not, there's limited ideology to it at a certain degree. It's, you know, practical things. We're not able to teach them that. How are we going to reshape their cultural values?
0: And we can't teach them that because we don't even want to know their cultural values. We don't think cultural values are important. We don't understand our own cultural values. I mean, when you're walking in blind, the blind man can't see. It doesn't matter how long he's there. If his eyes are closed, he's not going to be able to see. Even if he's a sing man, I know I'd switch metaphors there, but <laughs> but even if you stand there with your eyes closed, you'll never see it. And as Americans, we just think everybody's like us, everybody wants to be us, everybody has the same basic desires that they've been trained in that we have. But you take a baby, and babies, I mean, they don't even know not to poke themselves in the eye. All of it gets trained. And we act like... but. They got trained and they'll they'll want the same things that we do. And we've just forgotten where it comes from and how it works
2: the only reason why you can make people do synchronized jumping jacks in our military is because you can make them all be in the push-up position until they listen you know what i mean you can i mean there's there's a part of it where you have to have a considerable amount of authority and you have to spend a considerable amount of time pushing them and teaching them and making them believe if you don't listen to me your life is going to be absolutely miserable and instead we come in like you said handing money out and telling them you should do these things it's a completely opposite. I mean, we don't even understand what, how our military gets to be the way right. it is. And we go over there and we go, oh, we can do it completely different with somebody else's.
0: And how can you train somebody in something that you don't even know how you train? And that's basically where we are. We're, very, we're uh, incredibly arrogant on one side. Our ways are the best ways, and we're incredibly ignorant on the other side. We don't even know how we got our ways or where our ways came from or anything like that. You go to these, I mean, they don't understand that as they undermine their worldview or our worldview as a nation, that of course these things are going to all fade. You can't say that a man can be a woman because he feels like he's a woman today without having that have repercussions throughout the society. And and we're just blind to that as a nation. You know, another another sign of pride was when they first went in there and we we have so many failures in so many countries because we do the same thing. We walk in and instead of going, well, what you have to do is you have to move the existing leadership, we went, we'll replace the leadership. So we went into Afghanistan and I forget there was like fourteen hundred people that were gathered together the leaders, and they said, so who do you want to be president? And they said, well, obviously the king, who else would be president? The king that was in charge before the Taliban kind of took over. And America went, you want the king back? That's a monarchy, who would want a king back? So they put a lot of pressure on the king until the king said, I refuse the position. And that's how they get the president. Instead of taking an existing structure that the Afghanis actually wanted to reestablish, we think it's better to start with a blank slate right i mean it's just again it's just ignoring the reality this is the same exact thing that happened in iraq they tried to take out all the leadership in there and it just becomes a huge nightmare because you know when everyone's doing what's right in his own eyes like in the book of judges it's horrible and we're just too ignorant and too too self-centered and self-righteous to think wait a second that guy might be bad, but everybody doing whatever they want that's worse I mean you're, there's no way you're going to change the
3: culture with the putting reestablishing the previous leadership but unfortunately, there's no way you're going to change the culture if you don't do that either so
2: growing up, you studied history, and if you ever studied anything about Rome, one of the things everybody taught you about Rome was one of their greatest innovations. one of their greatest things was when they took over a people they allowed them to keep. Their core culture. They allowed them to keep their religion. They allowed them to keep their leaders. If, you know, and some of
3: the things with those you know ancient empires, why they were successful is because their goals for the people they were conquering were realistic. You know, they wanted tribute. They wanted not to be attacked. They wanted the ability to call up mil- you know military forces from those areas. They didn't want to remake the culture. Uh, while you know most of it's fine, but here's the top ten things we want changed uh, that are pretty fundamental to how you do things. Um, and so we're going in without a plan of how we're going to accomplish this. We're going in without a clear you know, measure of what success is, and so we
2: fail. I mean, one of the things I think we've said in other podcasts is there are certain things you look at in culture and you go, you can really see the absence of the church and how much it hurts. And there's a part of it where, you know, because like even when you're talking about Rome and their, and their ability— the argument isn't, oh, we should do nation building and we should just follow Rome. That's not the argument. The argument is is the, church is the church is much better at changing cultures. The church actually has the, I mean, the church is who God has ordained to go into the world and actually change cultures. God uses nations to do that at times through war and through other things like that. But it's not the means that he sent into the world to change the world. And so there's this part of it where, government's doing something that government really isn't good at doing that God definitely didn't design government to do and that you know it's 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 and not it's not their it's not their role and
0: they're of course they're going to be fumbling when they're doing it i mean one of the things that we're talking about about how they used to make them pay tribute i mean that's actually what's commanded in scripture you have two choices you go to a city and you go to war against it and either they surrender to you like it says in Deuteronomy 20:10 through 11 When you go near a city to fight against it, then proclaim an offer of peace to it. And it shall be that if they accept your offer of peace and open it to you, then all the people who are found in it shall be placed under tribute to you and serve you. You have that choice. Or if they refuse to do that, you're supposed to besiege the city and kill every male. Those are the two choices of how to deal with the situation according to God's law. We've decided that there's a third way that's going to work better, is you give them a lot of money. Think how stupid that is. What you're doing is to encourage people to rise up against you, because then you'll get a lot of money. And yes, it will do a lot of damage to the country, but we have this idea, and the leaders of this country know better. We have this idea that, oh, the leaders, they'll care about their people. No, only if they think that they'll have multi-generational leadership, a king tends to care about his people because he cares about his children but somebody else that expects to lose power, what they usually just care about is themselves. And so all of a sudden they go, I'll get rich if I go to war with the United States, and maybe, you know, the country gets destroyed, who cares? And so when you come up with a third way, it's just a disaster, and that's what we've come up with. What we need to go back to is putting people under tribute because that's what God says to do, and he's a lot smarter than the American government. One of the things that this comes back to is, you know, and it's, it's widely rejected in the church, it's widely rejected in the government, and it's the idea of total depravity. And because if you think man isn't basically depraved, then you have an expectation that he'll do the right thing. But if you say man's depraved, then you go, yeah, the way to constrain him is to make him pay us money. If you think man is good, then the way to help him is to pay him money because he's going to do what's right with it and it's going to get better. And so we keep proving over and over and over again that man is depraved. That's what Vietnam should have taught us, Iraq should have taught us. We should learn these lessons. Man's depraved. If you give him more resources as a depraved man, he will just do more damage.
1: Which is just another proof that we really are trying to export an idolatry there. We think that the the values of freedom and democracy and self-government are are self-evident, and you can only believe that if you think that mankind is basically good and that he's going to pick the right thing, and it's just none of it true.
3: And every culture before, you know, the Enlightenment was stupid because they didn't realize, oh, we should just be free instead of having tyrants over us. I mean, it's a pretty uh, prideful prideful idea
2: one of the games we'll play in our house sometimes we'll play the game of like we'll ask the kids if i gave you unlimited money how would you help people you know and and the reason we'll do this is we'll sometimes do it in the context of how can mom and dad actually help you what would actually be good for you and they kind of sheepishly go oh, I'd buy a lot of toys and candy and like would that be good for you and they would go no that wouldn't be good for me and it's, and, it's, and it's really interesting for them to actually sit there and actually wrestle with and think about what's actually good for them. And there's a part of it where whenever they learn to actually come and ask mom and dad for things that are good for them, they actually get those things. You know, I want to learn how to do this. Can you get me something so that I can learn how to do this? I want to do, you know, I'd like to do this work outside. Can I do this? And And like you said, I mean, we've just, we've lost that thought process. We've lost the ability to know ourselves and depravity of man requires you to understand yourself. If you don't think you're depraved, you have no real reason to think everybody else is either. Right. And so there's this part of it where if you can't see it in yourself, you're not going to see it in others. And there's a, you can't love someone else if you don't understand how you yourself need to be loved, if you don't understand what's loving for you. And this is just
0: completely lost. And I mean, and it's very much like with the, the COVID vaccines in North Carolina to encourage people to do them. They said, oh, we'll do a million-dollar lottery. We'll put all the names into a bucket occasionally and draw a name, and they get a million dollars. Well, if you look at the statistics for people who win the lottery and men, win major amounts of money in the lottery, it's horrible. I mean, they get divorced. They commit suicide. They, I mean, it is horrible it how damaging it destroys their lives. But yet they all think, oh yeah, if I got a million dollars it would be better for me. No, actually it wouldn't be, but they think that they think they're good, so they're sure, so that the government pushes this idea because inherent as that is the idea that if you had a million dollars it would be good for you. Well, for most people, it would not be good for them. And so because we rejected the you know, the idea of total depravity, you know, one of the people that's one of the the lieutenants in the Taliban now, he was one of the first people that was released from Cuba, from Guantanamo Bay, when he claimed that, well, his father ran an appliance store in, in Kabul, and so he had to, you know, and his father was having health problems, so he had to be able to go and help his father because, of course, he never had anything to do with the Taliban. And so he was one of the first people released who's now high up in the Taliban and ruling Afghanistan. And, People like listened to this and went, "Oh yeah, we should let him go. He's just trying to help his father." And he, and we're just incredibly naive to think that people wouldn't lie to us, when of course they lied to us. Right.
3: And and this is, this is a little off topic uh, from what from the direction you were going. But you know, we talk about Guantanamo Bay, and you know, can't let that go by without saying like. It's is the same thing about how we're saying we're going to impose liberty on you while taking your liberty away. We're saying, oh, well, we have our constitutional principles of trial by jury and innocent until proven guilty. And so we're going to go grab a bunch of people from the Middle East, many of whom are terrorists, some of whom aren't. And we're going to take them to Cuba so that they don't have rights under... U.S. law, and we're going to torture them and hold them indefinitely until we feel like releasing them, whether or not we have evidence for it. And a lot of them we don't have evidence for because we've never brought them to trial. And so, you know, we have that. that's, That's kind of a separate issue is the same thing of here's our principles we're operating on except actually no we're not we're not operating on those principles and
0: and it does that same idea there because you know i agree with what you said that and that same idea is a rejection of total depravity because they go the reason we're torturing them is for good so therefore it's okay to torture we've rejected the idea that we can do things because we're depraved and so we don't see it in them because we don't see it in ourselves like charles was saying and so we don't think it's anything wrong to take them and put them on this island and to to torture them because after all we're the good guys well no we're not and we need to start being realistic about who we are we're not the good guys
3: and it's and it's incredibly short-sighted as well cuz the people you know the 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 people in the middle east i mean they know about guantanamo bay and they don't have the preconceived notion that america is the good guys and so when you have things like that and you have people you know occupying their country there's a lot of people who who will say, yeah, they say that they're bringing these things, but they're lying. They're, they don't care about these things. Just like if China told us, oh, we're going to invade you to liberate you, we'd say, uh, no, you're not. You're lying. Is, I mean, now, is, is the United States trying to liberate people more than China? Yes. But, you know, we, we can't say As long that, as
0: they liberate in our way. <laughs> right.
3: Right, I mean, it would like would it be better if they were taken over if Afghanistan is taken over by the United States than China? Yes, but doesn't mean that everyone should can should jump on board with America as the good guys that we can expect them to do that.
0: Except that I mean, the reality is what China is doing with their their what's it called the Middle Belt Initiative or whatever it is. I mean, what they're doing is they're going and building bridges in places, they're building roads in places, there, and this is what they're doing in Afghanistan and and. They'll be liked in Afghanistan, and they may in the end, even though their ideology that has established their country is evil, they may in the end help Afghanistan far more than the U.S. did. Because we shouldn't think that just because where they're coming from is worse, that they won't actually treat the Afghanis better. They very well might.
3: Right. And 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 we should acknowledge that there were real ways that the United States helped particular Afghanis or Afghanistan as a whole. You know, just the simple fact that you know, a couple months ago, you could be a Christian in Afghanistan in ways that you cannot now. And that's a really real thing. Um, but that doesn't mean that you can do whatever you want because there are good consequences from what you're doing. Or that or that if, when you look at the totality of it, that it was a good action. Even if you are judging, you know, your good things offset your bad things. Doesn't and,
0: mean that it's a good idea. And all you did was was bribe people to accept a law that they didn't actually accept you never convinced them to shift their law which is why you have people that you know they the women aren't going out in the streets now because now it is pretty much legal to rape again like it was before and so we didn't actually shift things all we did was pay enough money to to cover it up for a while but we didn't deal with the underlying issues and I mean in some of it the corruption you hear, right, because, you know, President Biden said, oh, there's 65,000 Taliban or something and, and 300,000 troops that we trained. Well, he knew that wasn't true. And Americans knew that wasn't true. The American army knew that there were all kind of fake people in the book, that at least 50,000 of those or 60 or 70,000 of those were just names that were written in a book. And the American government continued to pay these fake soldiers saying that we're at war with corruption. When they completely accepted corruption in, with the people that they were working with. And everybody knew this was going on, and the, the commanders that we sent over there weren't enough to, like you said, as a nation, we don't want to deal with sin. So they went, well, you know, if we, if we catch them on this, then they'll leave and we won't have commanders anymore, so we'll just continue to bribe them as we tell the American people what we're doing is bringing justice to Afghanistan it's just totally you know we don't have enough character anymore in our culture to make it so that there's not shame for these people for what they're doing in the military so that they can lie and nobody does anything and and part of it is kind of a degradation of of
3: the moral understanding of of right and wrong and why we <coughs> think things are right and why we think things are wrong you know reading you know what what people are writing about these, you know, they recognize that some things they're doing is bad, but they have this pragmatic ethic that says as long as I'm doing good, I can do bad things, and so you know, everyone says, well, yeah, we did bad things there, but the good outweighed the bad, and but but when you adopt that idea, you've 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 compromised because you're not in a place to judge.
0: Should, should we do evil that good may come? And you're not standing in a position where you're saying I should you should follow my example because the reality is what they're looking and saying is we're saying well we're, we're letting these people steal from the American government because at least it brings stability to the Middle East and they're going uh, I should steal from the American government because it will strengthen my family. Who's actually more righteous? I don't know how to judge who's more righteous in that case but everybody's looking at this and they know everybody's cheating so Why shouldn't you cheat in a way that you say is for good versus the way that they say is for good? Because both of them are coming up with their own definition of good, and they don't care about sin. We're talking about, or I was talking about on the ground how how people knew that there were fake soldiers. But we have to recognize that this isn't just something that the American government was doing. I mean, the Afghani papers came out, or the Afghanistan papers came out, and clearly proved that the generals knew that they were lying about the success that they were having, that they were lying about the whole thing for 20 years, and what happened? Nothing. For instance, General Mark Milley is now the highest-ranking officer in the U.S. military. He's in the Pentagon, or he's in the Afghanistan papers. It's a quote from him from November 4th of 2013. This army and this police force have been very, very effective in combat against the insurgents every single day. And I think that's an important story to be told across the board. But if you look at what the soldiers are saying that we're actually dealing with them, the Washington Post summarized and said, one unidentified U.S. soldier said special forces teams hated the Afghan police whom they trained and worked with calling them awful, the bottom of the barrel in the country that's already at the bottom of the barrel. And all the low-level people that they were talking to all said the same thing. What the generals are saying is a total lie. So what happens when this comes out and everybody goes, yeah, the, the generals have been lying to us for 19 or 18 years at this point, and what happens? He gets promoted. As long as we do that, as long as America accepts that as a reasonable thing to do, America shouldn't be complaining about what Bush did. America shouldn't be complaining about what Biden did. America should be complaining about what they did because they don't care. They're the ones who caused it.
3: But to give the positive uh, side of it, I mean, supposedly, you know, it's been said before they were going to pull out and it hasn't happened before, uh, you know. President Trump said he was going to pull out of Afghanistan, and it didn't happen. But now, I mean, it looks like it's going to get pulled out. So you know, he he gets promoted, but now he gets to preside over a disastrous pull out of this thing that supposedly was going so great. So you know, you you kind of have both sides. I mean, people are not learning quick enough and fully enough, but 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 people do see the the disaster and how things how people are misled.
0: But again, will we learn? We knew, we knew for a long time as the American people, we knew it was all lies. We knew it wasn't working. Every time, every president came out and said, we're advancing against them. Well, if we advance as many times as the presidents came out and said we were advancing and we were having great success in Afghanistan, there wouldn't be any problem there at all. But they turn around the next year and they go, we're having great success in Afghanistan when clearly they weren't, because they never made any real advancement. And the American people swallowed the lie, hook, lining, and sinker, without any concern, without any care, and promoted the people that were telling the lies. Until the American people care about truth, we shouldn't be surprised that the military doesn't. We shouldn't be surprised that the President doesn't. Because we accept these things, and we think they're fine. As a people, we think they're fine.
2: I think it's worth pointing out that it's gotten actually pretty bad in America. The level of lying. I mean, I think we've actually talked about that in a couple other episodes of just how much lying goes on. I mean, it's you know, you, I mean, if you go, I mean, I don't, I don't know anyone I can read really that I can say I'm pretty sure they won't lie. I mean, the, I, the Bible. <laughs> I, I'm talking about in news and in, I mean, you know, in, in news and media and you know, I don't know anyone. That I can say I'm going to go to this person. I'm going to read it, and I I know they won't they won't use bad sources. They won't just they won't just gloss over things. That they won't just actually lie they to me. Actually, yeah, try to spin. And, and that's how bad it's gotten. I mean, and so I mean, I just I think we should just be really aware of that. Is it's gotten it's gotten horrible. I don't. I mean, I don't even. I mean, I was like, I, I'm losing hyperbole. How do you how do you say how do you say how bad it is? It's as it's as bad as I can imagine it getting it and it and it can get worse.
0: So an example would be CNN's Clarissa Ward. You can see how she has to mold what she's doing in order to be accepted on the streets of Afghanistan right now. And I guarantee that if she reports certain things that you know the Taliban is going to stop her, that the Taliban would kill her. And so she has fear is what's driving her behavior and it's going to continue to drive her behavior in how she covers the story. Not that her fear is irrational, I'm not saying anything like or, that. Or
2: that when she leaves she might tell some of the things that actually were done, but we won't know until she leaves. And even when she th-
0: leaves, the story is changing, so it's really easy for us to think that we know what's happening in a place. And the reality is, when these things go on, one of the first things they do is they control the story. And they're controlling the story with her until she leaves. And they should. we should not sit here and think we can have a good idea what's going on there because we don't. I guarantee we don't know what's going on there. And I've seen this happen in Nigeria. And this is a common technique that the Muslims use. And it's a common technique that the communists use. It's a common technique that everybody uses. Is that you drive off the press that won't give you the reporting that you want, so that they get the story? They
2: use it. The president, the president of the United States, uses he did it, to it some for degree. the speech
0: on Monday. <laughs> I mean,
2: Donald Trump used it. Ronald Reagan used it. George Bush used it. Is you favor people who give you the story that you want to cover? And I think, but this there is, is
0: a difference between that and having the idea that they'll kill you if yes. you cover. Yes, well, and that's well. what I
2: mean. Is I think there's a part of it where when someone thinks about this. It goes back to depravity and knowing yourself. If you think about how how quickly you will change what you say, based on your fear of losing favor with someone, how little it how little pressure it takes for you to model what you say slightly. how You've heard people tell a story when no one else is in the room and then their boss walks <laughs> in the room and they tell the same story and they change it massively. I'm gonna go in that room and I'm gonna tell them what I think. And then they go in that room and they're like, well, sir, I don't want, you know what I mean? They, they change everything. And like you're saying, if you think you wouldn't change it because you thought someone might kill you or just push you out and you lose your ability to report, you're crazy.
3: Yeah, and also most people would not go report under Taliban control from the United States either. So right. you kind of have two sides
0: there. Right, and and the bottom line, though, is we can think that we understand what's going on in these situations. And we don't have sources of information that we should trust because the reality is is that – they're very controlled. They have control over what goes out in Taliban controlled areas. I'm not saying necessarily in the at the the airport and stuff, but in Taliban controlled areas the Taliban is in control and it's very naive for us to think that we actually can well, say I mean, this is what's often, going on. And often and
3: often the US military has just as strict control over journalists who are embedded with them.
0: Sure, but they so, don't usually kill them <laughs> if they cross they them. They don't kill <laughs> <tell> them.
3: Yes. <laughs> Never I hope heard not.
0: Of that. <laughs> So all the things we've been discussing here, how would we sum these things up?
3: I mean, I have a good verse to sum it up. Proverbs sixteen eighteen: Pride goes before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. Some of the reasons that we got into Afghanistan, and even more so, the reasons that we continued in Afghanistan, were based on pride—the pride that we can reconstruct a culture uh, with our ideology, an ideology that's not even based on that great of foundations. It's it's based on some humanistic ideas of liberty and human rights without any, and any basis of, that could convince people who have a religious ideology that in some cases is very strong. And so we think we can recreate the culture while going against a lot of the, the things that we're even, even trying to teach.
0: And because we measure the most important thing is wealth, we go, well, we're right because we're wealthy. But if you go to a nation that doesn't measure wealth as the highest standard, It's very easy for them to go, no, you're not. And yet we can't even hear that or understand that because all we do is focus on wealth.
1: All of the problems that we've discussed tonight about what happened in Afghanistan and what's happening right now, I mean, you could say the root of every one of those problems is pride in some form or other. The arrogance, the the belief that our ideas are self-evidently right, and the belief that the Afghan culture needed to be remade by Americans, and I, I mean, all of these things are just manifestations of our idolatry and, and our pride.
0: And when we think about, you know, man's made in God's image, and what we're trying to do is make other countries in the image of America. And God's a jealous God. We're supposed to be conquering his kingdom, not making new versions of our little kingdom. And so we shouldn't be surprised that God would resist it as well, because it is very it is very idolatrous. It is very contrary to what God says we're supposed to be doing. And I think Americans forget, and Christians in America forget, how contrary this is to what God would tell us to do. I mean, it's what
2: God told us to do in the Great Commission. I mean, if you're going into the world, this is go you into the world and preach the gospel, teaching them to observe all the things I've commanded you. And this isn't the way that he's that we're supposed to teach them. It's not that you hand it over to the military. It's not that you... And so there's this part of it where, I mean, we have the American version of the Great Commission is send your military into the world and teach them to observe all the things that you... That
0: America thinks is good.
2: Right, I mean, so, I mean, it is this, it is just this wrong idea. And and the church, the church is the problem. I mean, we keep, I know we keep coming back to that over and over again, but it is the church. The church is the problem. We're supposed to be the salt and light of the world. And so... It's just more evidence that we failed.
0: Yeah, and the fact that the, the church isn't, isn't teaching that the meek shall inherit the earth. Instead, we're going, right. we're Americans, instead of the meek shall inherit the earth. Right. It's kind of the opposite of what, what the world needs to hear.
2: If you look at what caused us to go into Afghanistan, it was the bombing of the Twin Towers and the, you know, and the, the Pentagon. And basically, if something happens to us again, what will our pride cause us to do? If somebody attacks us again, if something can, you know, this is this is really the question is, is not do we look at this and go, hmm, we failed here. Is, what's going to happen is is there's going to be something that happens, and we're going to say, how dare they do this to us? We must, and then just the whole causal chain starts over again. It just, the dominoes start to fall, and that's the way our thoughts flow, and we're going to repeat it because it's the prideful reaction to what happened as opposed to going, why did God let this happen? What should we do? How should we actually respond? What does God say to do? Which, is, which requires
1: humility. I mean, it requires us to be humble enough to say, God's judging us when he does that. Right. And that's what we need to be doing right now. When you see your country being massively defeated after a two-decade-long military campaign, you have to say, God's judging us somewhere along the way. We need to do some repenting.
0: And I mean, at the same time, we should recognize, you know, completely agree that God is judging us. But we lost a trillion dollars and, you know, 3,500 men or something like that. We didn't have that many people die in Afghanistan. We should just recognize the judgment could be much worse. It could be 100 million instead of 3,500. And we shouldn't think that we can continue to mock God, that we can continue to take the blessings that we receive because of people who went before us and generations before us and taught the great commission as you were saying taught their children by using the rod et cetera, et cetera. they taught the great commission in our culture and god is giving us these warnings and i don't hear the church hearing and going wait a second we need to stop being so arrogant we need to start being humble and we need to say why does god keep judging us as a nation because god is judging us as a nation and we're being blind to the judgment Thank you for joining us. As we ended with, we need to recognize that the meek will inherit the earth and that God resists the proud and he gives grace to the humble. And we've been being resisted as a nation, and we, the church needs to start being bold in saying that we need to become a humble people instead of a proud people because God will continue to resist us. Thanks for listening.
2: This has been The Conquering Truth, a project of Reformation Baptist Church. If you found this helpful, you can visit us online at theconqueringtruth.com
1: and subscribe in your favorite podcast app. Thanks for listening.